I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports, objective insight, expertise, top guest, available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now, today, Hooker. Ready. Welcome. Here we go. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker, and we have an absolute ton going on as Tennessee, depending on where when you're watching this, is on the practice field. And uh, news that, despite some early struggles, which you would expect, that Nico is looking a little bit better, and I think that's a real positive. Now, I have been told that Tennessee is tinkering a bit with his mechanics, which doesn't surprise me. He had a bit of a sidearm delivery. But that uh, Nico's looking looking pretty strong uh, in this particular week to a practice, and there might be a few tweaks that we've been asked not to talk about. So there you go. It is spring, but uh, certainly Tennessee has the option of doing a lot of different things. So coming up, we will talk about Hendon Hooker as it is pro day for the Vols. Uh, how much can he gain? Also, the fact that suddenly he's talked about as a top five draft pick. I, of, of all the things that were very difficult to believe that happened last year, including the number of wins, including the fact that he was a real Heisman candidate, even though he didn't make the trip, that might be the most shocking one of the three, Caleb. And I don't know if this is posturing or smoke screens to try to get other people to 
uh, move up and, and pick a quarterback at that spot. But my, oh my, Caleb, uh, for him to be even flirting with the top half of the first round, I, th- I, I th- just think is incredible. And I'm very, very happy for that young man. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm excited to get into that with him. It's still very, very up in the air where he can end up because other other boards have him still as a second-round pick, low second round. Some are even saying high third round. Um, Mike Tannenbaum is the one who did the had him in the top five. For those who don't know, Mike Tannenbaum is – I like him, but Wait, when he was a GM – Speaking of, give me some history of Mike Tannenbaum because he's suddenly all over ESPN, and I'll be really honest with you. I I'm, I know his name, but is he the type of guy that you think would say this to get attention? Because if so, it's working. Well, put it this way. Mike Tannenbaum was part of the New York Jets apparatus that brought in Tim Tebow, which we all know was to steal headlines than actually, rather than win games. Now, to be fair to Mike Tannenbaum, I think Tim Tebow was forced on him. I think that was Rex Ryan and Woody Johnson, the owner of the Jets who brought in Tim Tebow, because they they scapegoated Mike Tannenbaum, and their response was, the owner's response was, well, he didn't say no when I brought in Tim Tebow. Well, what are you going to do when your owner brings in says, I want to bring in somebody? <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not going to say no at that point. And this is why the Jets are the most pathetic, more-bound franchise of all time. I know I don't know why Aaron Rodgers wants to go there. I think Mike Tannenbaum actually is the reason they got to two playoffs to two AFC championships with Mark Sanchez. He actually did a pretty good job. I would never want to go there. I firmly believe that Peyton Manning decided to come back for a senior year because there was a rumor that the Jets would have the number one pick and he did not want to be drafted by the Jets. And so I think they're a pathetic franchise. Oh, I mean, they are, but they may be on the verge of doing something here with Aaron Rodgers. We'll, we'll see. Think, things change. I can remember it wasn't that long ago the Green Bay Packers were thought of in the 80s of a pathetic franchise. Who remembers the name? Steve Mikowski, uh, the magic man. And so your programs can turn around. Maybe Tannenbaum was the reason that they weren't that good. I, I don't know. We don't know what goes on behind closed Tannenbaum doors. Tannenbaum was the reason they were in the playoffs only two times the last, like, 20 years. Uh, you, you might well be right, um, but he is certainly making some noise. Uh, Mel Kuyper thought it was the most absurd thing he had ever seen. He tweeted that out. He, was, he didn't say absurd. He said it would be the most surprising pick that he has seen in, uh, I think, 25 or 26 years. The wrongest um, draft analyst in America, Mel Kuyper. Yes, who looks just like the Blue Falcon, if you remember him. Do you remember the Blue Falcon and Dino Mutt? I do not. How many, how many, we should play a game for every reference Dave has every day that I'm like, I don't know that. <laughs> yes, I think I think we I think you bat about 50%, about 500. I think you do a pretty good job of that. All right. I'm gonna just start throwing in some like mid-2000s hip-hop references for Dave every now every day and see if he gets it. You lose me at about 2001. I can go ahead and tell you when when, oh, when okay. you'll lose me. That that'll be about it. So <laughs> Pro day for the Vols today as this is a special group. And a lot of times I think fans don't really care, Caleb, about what guys do in the pros other than a Peyton Manning or a special sort of player. But when they do special things at Tennessee, I I think it means a lot for fans to see them go on and have success. And I, I think that's a pretty cool thing. So we'll get into all that Hendon Hooker's mock draft selection uh, also, Tennessee near the bottom of the SEC in returning production. 
And Josh Pate has Tennessee off of his top 10 list, which I thought was surprising. And a little bit of baseball as the major leagues open today. Who's the best UT baseball player ever? I want to ask that question because I, I right before the show started, I said, Caleb, I think it's pretty simple. I think it's this, that, this. And he said, no, I think it's this guy. So we'll get into that. A lot going on, but we start with Pro Day, four downs right now. And it's brought to you by our friends at City Heating and Air. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Bounds. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. All right, here we go. It's brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning. Who has the most to gain from Pro Day? Brought to you by City Heat and Air Integrity Matters. Over 50 years of service right there. And just phenomenal. Knoxville was there yesterday. Like to get back in the North Knoxville area. We call it God's country from Powell, but they are there and they service the entire area of Knoxville. You may not need a new HVAC unit. You may just need a part or some Freon. How about that? So go ahead and light up that message board for me. Click the thumbs up. Tell me who you think has the most to gain in Tennessee's pro day. So Caleb, let's start. Give me a, a list of, uh, of names that are going to participate in the Pro Day today. And I'll explain what Pro Day is for those that don't know. So here is essentially what Pro Day is. Pro Day is an opportunity to work out in front of scouts. There have been times where Pro Day was inconsequential. Why? Because three or four dudes showed up. Three or four scouts showed up to look at the balls. That's when Tennessee's program was buried down. There have been other times where there have literally been 50. I don't know why you need two or three from a specific NFL team, but there have been those times. I'm reminded most of all of the uh, Jamal Lewis year in which he ran the, uh, I think it was a 4-3-2 40 at uh, 245 pounds, and everybody was like, this is unbelievable. This is wild. Maybe 238, if I remember correctly. And it blew everybody away, and I was interviewing uh, Mean Joe Green, who was with the Steelers, a scout with the Steelers, and one guy after another. I think this is going to be closer to that than closer to the times where uh, you only need a small parking lot to get everybody in town. So, Click that thumbs up button. Let's go ahead and get to four downs and maybe more guys. We'll probably throw some more guys out there as well. And I ask you, who has the most to gain out of the players that I'm going to throw to you? So let's start with the guy that we got criticized a little bit for. um, And and that was Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Hyatt had a fantastic season. He ran a 4-4 at the NFL Combine. This The Pro Day is huge for guys that don't get invited to the Combine. So you had him get invited to the uh, get invited to the Combine, but he had a hamstring. He felt the need to run. If I had a hamstring issue at all or I was an agent, there would be no running at all because you can do it at this Pro Day and it carries the same amount of weight. So Jalen Hyatt, does he have the most to gain? out of the group that will be participating. And if you have that group, go ahead and rattle that off. 
I don't think he has the most to gain, but I think he has a lot to gain because Jalen Hyatt, let's, let's, let's put this part out there with the pro day too. More than the combine, it's, there are some positions where you really can't do yourself any favors. You can only hurt yourself. I think quarterback is one of those positions. Hinn and Hooker, luckily for him, doesn't have to participate in the pro day because he's hurt. But I never believe I would never judge a quarterback on their pro day. How easy it is, is it to throw when nobody's in your face? And you know, you've got well, I would judge it if he only completed 80 or 90 percent of his passes. Oh, I would criticize him for a pro day. Yeah, you can lose from a pro day, you can't yeah. gain from a pro day if you're a quarterback. Yeah, you literally, and I'm not exaggerating by this, you literally should complete every single pass. Yes. If, you, if you go out there and throw 40 balls against air with your receivers, you should complete 40 passes. So if you throw 38, you complete 38 of 40, people are going to be like, eh, I'm not so sure about that guy. I mean, it really is that high of a standard. And that that's just the way the pro day is, I believe, always going to be with quarterbacks throwing against air. You have to judge them off of tape. So – uh, I, I'm actually going to disagree with you. I think Jalen Hyde has a lot to gain. I think if he puts up uh, a, a oh, no, mid- I agree with you on that. Okay. If he puts up a mid four three, I think it erases that four, four and makes him the speedster that he looked like when Tennessee was scoring touchdowns at will last fall. I, I agree. I think Jalen Hyde could gain a lot. I just don't think he has the most to gain from pro day, but I think he could gain a lot. Don't get me wrong. I think he has, I, I definitely think he has a lot to gain. If he gets into the 4-3 range, you're right. Because right now, I knocked him with that 4-4 because I noted that he, like we, me and you have talked about, he needs speed more than anybody else to be a great receiver in the NFL. He's a speedster. Well, to be a pure speedster, you need to get into the 4-3 range. And luckily for him, you don't really have to measure this against people guarding you. You just got to measure how fast you can run. My top pro day guy is the guy who did not get a combine invite, and that's Trayvon Flowers. And you know how high I've been on him for a while. I think he's very athletic. He's been held back since his high school days. When Trayvon Flowers played high school football, he was relegated to a three-star because he didn't take part in a lot of the camps because he was playing center field for the baseball team at the time, which you know recruiting services more than I do, Dave. That just seems ridiculous to me, that they're not going to get bump up your – that they're going to hold back your star rating because you don't take part in the spring camps. And Oh, well – there are a lot of politics in recruiting. Don't even get me started. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's a whole, that's a whole nother show. And so Trey playing center field, he can cover a lot of ground. We saw this with him at safety last year. He's athletic enough to cover a lot of ground very fast. So I think with Trayvon flowers, you want to judge his strides to a certain degree. I, I don't know if, I don't know if his pure 40 time is going to matter as much, but there's certain other things you can judge for a safety that will really help him since he didn't get to take part in the combine because he wasn't invited because he sacrificed his NFL future to cover for Tennessee's horrible secondary and cornerback play last year. Okay. So we'll kind of adapt a little bit. We, I went with Jalen Hyatt one. We both think he, he has a lot to gain from a source. I was told that expect him to run in the mid four threes. I think he'll run at the minimum of four, three, eight today, slightly faster track at Tennessee. Uh, but I don't think that's the difference. I, th- I think they just had an off day and probably a bad hamstring. So we've mixed up the downs a little bit. We're like that Colorado game where they had a fifth down. So the, the guy I was going to go with most again was Jerome Carvin. Um, Jer- Jerome Carvin not invited like Trey Flowers to the NFL Combine. And if he's able to go out there and do some things, then I think he could really help himself. 
I don't know about you, but I watched him last year. He looked like a NFL offensive lineman, not not an elite one, but a good one. I mean, one that can hang on a roster at the very least. Did you not think so? Oh, I thought so. I'm a, I'm a fan of Jerome Carvin. Jerome Carvin um, doesn't, for those who read PFF grades, Pro Football Focus grades, and analytics, mm-hmm. he does not. He is he doesn't grade high in a lot of those instances, but I, I think he's one of those guys that can kind of disprove the value of PFF grades, but that's kind of the only measurement you have to judge linemen because stats really aren't a thing for linemen. I think Jerome Carvin, the problem with pro day for me, I think with offensive line, it's similar to a quarterback. I mean, there's just not a lot you can measure with them going up against people for offensive linemen at a pro day. And I think that's the that's the real trick. All, offensive line is another one of those positions where, yeah, your me- measurables matter, but I mean that what game tape, the the two positions where I think game tape outweighs the, the outweighs measurables the most are offensive line and quarterback. I don't know. Okay, what well, no, agree. What about Cedric Tillman? Third down, Cedric Tillman. How much does he have to gain uh, for? Five four, which for his size is good, but man, if he could get just a four four nine, I know that doesn't sound like a lot. By the way, post on the message board who you are most excited to see in the future in the NFL, because I think a lot of people are excited to see this group. I think he has a, a, a considerable amount to gain if he could get in that four four nine. I was told that he probably will run. I'm not sure, but he could sit on the four five four that he had at the combine and 37 inch vertical leap had that great uh, 10.8 foot broad jump. So uh, I, I don't think he has a lot to gain, but man, if he could pop it up there in that four, four, eight, four, four, nine, that would be a different sort of big receiver to me speed wise. And I think it would help him by 10 picks or so. I think it would have that kind of impact. I'm with you. I think he has a lot to gain. I don't think he's going to gain that much because I don't think, I just don't think it's possible for him to gain that much more. I think he gains so much at the combine. It, it, that's such a jump. Cedric Tillman has got an advantage. See, this is what helped hurt Juwan Jennings a few years ago. With Juwan Jennings, it was, he didn't have the measurables that really benefited him, but anybody who watched him play, just the guy was a gamer. And that was a guy where you plug in the tape. And Cedric Tillman reminds me somewhat of Juwan Jennings with his physical imposing presence and willingness to win 50-50 balls. But you can't really measure that with measurables. And then Juwan Jennings was held back because COVID, there was no preseason. And so he really didn't get to showcase himself on the field. Tillman, I think, is his gameplay outweighs his measurables too in terms of value. But his measurables were so... So they beat expectations so much at the combine that I don't know if he can do much more at the pro day. Third down. Can these guys help themselves at all? Darnell Wright and Byron Young who had good combines. No. And I say that because I, I would show, don't really I would show, before. Caleb, I would show up in a suit. Yeah. I would too. <laughs> do anything. Who is going to who's going to be like I wouldn't draft Darnell Wright after everything he's proven because he didn't do anything at the pro day. Yeah, f- five flat, three hundred and thirty three pounds at the combine. One of the most dominant offensive linemen against uh, a Heisman Trophy candidate and Will Anderson. Uh, he's just phenomenal. Um, he, he he just had an incredible season. I can't imagine that he would go out there and do much. His broad jump was 
bizarro. 9'6 for 333 pounds. I mean, I told you guys early last year, this is the best natural athlete on Tennessee's roster. I'm telling you, and this is not a huge exaggeration, with the exception of Anthony Richardson, okay, this might be the best pure athlete in the draft. If you want to consider size-speed ratio, it'd be interesting to have somebody, which we might do from pro football, focus on to talk about that. He might be one of the top two, three athletes in the entire draft. Pure athleticism. Yeah, and it shocks me that, Dave, are you surprised that no one ever thought to maybe trim him down like 20 pounds and have him play defensive tackle? Um... Because he's so athletic. If you if you took like 20 pounds off, you could get that 40 time in the fours. You know, but does he have... He's, he's got ups. He could bat down a lot of balls because he can do backflips. Back yeah, let me do some more thinking on that. I mean, I hadn't thought about that at all, honestly. Um, obviously, it's worked out for him, so I wouldn't change anything yeah. in retrospect, but it does beg the conversation. Would Jason Witten have been an all-pro defensive end in the NFL? Probably. Probably <laughs> I mean, that, would he have been a Hall of Fame defensive end the way he is as a tight end? <laughs> John Chavis will tell you absolutely yes, and he should have never moved. All right, so <laughs> fourth down, he will tell you that right now. Today, if we could get him on, but he's coaching up the middle scores. Fourth down, who has the most to lose out of the entire group that's going to take part in Pro Day at Tennessee? Mine's going to surprise you. The most to lose. Now, let me um, think I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little rough on this. I think I might go with, we just talked about him, but I'm going to go with Cedric Tillman because if Cedric Tillman's measurables drop down to like the four sixes and four sevens, all of a sudden, all the gains he made from the combine go out the window. You know who it is? Who? It's Jeremy Banks. I thought he lost enough at the combine, but tell, enlighten me on this. It's not on the field. It's when a scout goes, hey, Josh, how you doing? Great season, man. Can we step over here for just a second and talk about some guys? Um, This hooker guy's good. I like Hyatt. He's, he's good, too. Hey, what happened in that South Carolina game with Jeremy Banks? And Josh Heupel is smart enough to know to be honest with these guys because he wants to help the guys that are good guys for his entire career. One of the biggest mistakes that Philip Fulmer did was sandbagging Jason Witten because he left early. And at that point, Philip Fulmer didn't have any credibility with NFL scouts. So he could tell you this guy's really good and he wouldn't go higher in the draft. That was a, a, a real bad relationship there because of Jason Witten. If he and I believe Josh Hopp will be honest. I believe Josh Hopp is incredibly honest. I hate it when he talks at press conferences because he's not forthright, but that's different than being honest. And if he says, and what I believe happened, Jeremy Banks before the South Carolina game, man, he he didn't show up for a Monday practice, and then he created an issue with uh, Hendon Hooker, and Joe Milton had to get in the middle of it, and then we had to suspend him Thursday before the game. And it cost us a chance at a championship. Is there anything else you need to know about Jeremy Banks? Boom. That's that's a round. That's You're dropping, right. That's dropping a round. So this is basically like it's what I used to learn. Um, now that I'm 
moved up in my career a little bit in media. I, I, when I started, when some people started to want to use me as a reference, my people I was close with that were, I used as references were like, you can't say, you can't let everybody use you as a reference because if you let everybody use you as a reference, it looks really bad on you. If no one's going to take you seriously when you, you let somebody else use you as a reference. Wait, somebody um, used you. I I'm not, I'm not following. So what the do concept you of, I don't know if you, have you ever been used as a reference for someone applying for a job? A yes. Resume? Yes. So basically you're kind of taught well, the minute someone does that for you. Uh, I had higher ups te teach me, don't let everybody use you as a reference who wants to use you as a reference. Because if you say yes to everybody, you damage your credibility in the industry. And then you're not going to be able to help anybody who you want to actually be a reference for because no one's going to take you seriously. Huh. And I've been very blessed in that everybody that's called about a reference from somebody, uh, I, they were all great. And yeah, I, I haven't had that issue either. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, and I was actually taught by my grandfather. It's funny you bring that up. Said you don't ever want to down somebody or burn a bridge. So I said, well, what do you do, grandfather, when somebody calls you about a reference and um, they weren't a great employee? You just keep it as brief as possible. And I've called about for reference. I've called about other people to get references, and that's what they do. They go, oh, wow. hey, Dave, nice to meet you. I said, I was calling about Bob Smith. Yep, he worked for me. Well, um, what can you tell me about him? He was here from uh, January 1999 um, to uh, July 2001. Anything else to add? That's about it. That makes You think Hypo might do that then with Jeremy Banks? No, I think he'll just throw him out of the bus. Okay, so let me ask you one last question. Then, with the full because what we're talking about is from a legal standpoint, you actually can't defame somebody. But we're talking about public figures now, so like I couldn't defame somebody if that ever got out, it would, it would come back on me legally. Okay, so somebody question about a reference. Let me ask you this question then, because you bring up Fulmer sandbagging Jason Witten. That happened from two. That was the 2003 NFL draft. Jason Witten was drafted in. Correct. Former Tennessee had a top five class in 2002. Tennessee was consistently top 10 classes every year from 95, 93 to 2002. It's funny you bring that up. From 2003 to Fulmer's last class, which was 2008, Tennessee had two top 10 classes. That was it. Do you think Fulmer sandbagging Jason Witten, do you think that got out to recruits that this guy might sandbag you if and that that hurt his recruiting in the future? Zero question. Zero really? question. You're absolutely right. Yes, because uh, the players are always honest. The assistant coaches are still going to tell you, uh, hey, we're going to get you ready for the NFL. We're going to make sure that you're good to go. But it's the it's the players that really hurt his reputation with players. So the players are going to be honest on recruiting trips. I know a lot of fans don't want to hear this. Please hit the thumbs up button. Tell me if I'm crazy or if you think this is ultra revealing stuff. But it's kind of common knowledge to me. But the players will tell you, hey, that Jeremy Pruitt guy's a doofus. You know, they will they will tell you on the trips because they don't want bad stuff to happen to another 17 year old after they went through it. What a, what a lot of people don't realize is that both professional and college athletes realize how close they came to going to Georgia or going somewhere else. And, and they realize that it's a business. So a lot of times they'll be very honest. That's what I think helps Tennessee so well right now is that they can honestly say, this is a program on the rise. This is the program where Josh Heupel cares about you. And that's not the case across the board.
So let's go ahead and get to this because this still blows me away. Are we talking about Hendon Hooker in the top five? What the H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. So Mike Tannenbaum gave you a bit of history, or Caleb gave you a bit of history on Mike Tannenbaum. He has Hendon Hooker in the top five. What the H brought to you by Craft Treats. What the H, are you not taking care of your pet? Go to crafttreats.com, use the promo code off the hook, and you will get 20% off the chill pills, which are CBD infused. They'll take care of your pet's anxiety issue. How about your pets? I don't know. Could have issues with arthritis. I'll take care of that. That's my pet. And also anxiety, uh, storm anxiety, social anxiety. So Mike Tannenbaum has Hendon Hooker in the top five. Go to crafttreats.com. Use the promo code off the hook to get 20% off off the hook. What do you think about Hendon Hooker in the top five? Is this fool's gold? Is this somebody talking to try to say something a little bit different when everybody's on the Stroud bandwagon? Reportedly, people are getting off the Will Levis bandwagon because he's so arrogant and egotistical. Um, and there's the Anthony Richardson bandwagon. All of this is smoke. We don't really know. But, Caleb, what do you think of Hendon Hooker being a potential top five pick? I'll be honest with you. I'm what the H. That blows me away if he's able to go that high. I, I hope and pray he does. Literally pray because I think he's a great individual. But I don't. I just don't see top five. I don't see top ten. I don't see first half of the first round. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, so let's let's bring this up with Tannenbaum real quick. He does have Hendon Hooker going over Anthony Richardson. He has Anthony Richardson going 11th to the Titans. As a Titans fan, I pray that does not happen. I would much rather have Hendon Hooker than Anthony Richardson, and that's not just because That would be so cool if he went to to the Titans. Go ahead. It would be so great, yeah. So I would not like that as a Titans fan, but I will say this. Mike Tannenbaum does have Will Levis going fourth to Indianapolis. Now, the Titans fan, I would love that. The Colts draft Will Levis, I'm going to love that. (laughs) Um, I would say that – so. Tannenbaum is very high on quarterbacks. He's got Bryce Young going number one to Carolina, CJ Stroud number two to Houston, Will Levis number four to Indy, Hendon Hooker number five to Seattle. He's got Will Anderson going third to Arizona. So he's just loving the quarterbacks. But his case for Hendon Hooker, here's what he says. And I can't disagree with him on this. He says Hendon Hooker's really underscouted right now because he's coming off a torn ACL in his left knee. But he's got a strong, I love his strong arm and 6'3 frame. Before the injury, he led the nation in yards per attempt, only threw two interceptions over 11 starts, was a top 10 passer in terms of completion percentage. And then he says, I see a potential franchise quarterback who can lead an offense. And he brings this up. This is this is the Seahawks, by the way, that he has Hendon Hooker going to. The Seahawks recently re-signed Geno Smith. We know, you and I both agree Hendon Hooker is a project. And we know Geno Smith is not a long-term plan for anybody. And we also know that they don't want to deal with a diva like Russell Wilson ever again. Exactly. And Gino is the the exact opposite antithesis. He's the antithesis Uh, to a diva. Now, Geno Smith used to be a diva. By the way, Mike Tannenbaum, I think, was one of the guys who – I think Mike Tannenbaum drafted Geno Smith to the Jets. Maybe it was after Mike Tannenbaum. I don't know. Don't quote me. But Geno Smith used to be a diva, but I think he's kind of matured now to a certain degree. 
Which, oh yeah, you know, he, t- he took a smaller contract, which no quarterback does now. I mean, yeah, Lamar Jackson's a great example. Right, exactly. And so, and so, I think Geno Smith is. Look, some people get some people mature late, and when they do, you can rely on them. And I think Geno Smith may have turned into that. But he's what is he? Thirty three? <laughs> Maybe me. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, I'm, I I said this. I would never have been cut out to be famous at twenty five. I would have said so many things that got me in trouble, but. <laughs> Well, I agreed. Not um, for you, but for me, go ahead. But yeah, so Geno Smith, but it, it, no, no matter what, Geno Smith is not your long-term plan. So Hendon Hooker, we know he's a project. Sit three years, develop in the system, come out. At, I mean, he'll be 27 then. That's that, that, I know that's a little bit later than your average quarterback, but I think he's more than willing to do that. And I think he'd still have a lot of athleticism and ability in him. And we know Pete Carroll is willing to work with a quarterback like him. So I don't think this is as crazy as people think. The only reason it might be a little crazy is that, look, it's more likely than not that if you want Hendon Hooker with the fifth pick, you're going to be available with Hendon Hooker in the second round. That's what I was going to ask you. With Tannenbaum, is this a value thing or is this where he thinks he'll go based off team needs? Because there are two different mock drafts, right? There's just who you think is the best and then where you think somebody will fall. Because – I'll go ahead and tell you, my top two picks would be Will Anderson, um, Will Anderson, uh, pretty easy. And then I would go Bryce Young. Those are my top two picks. After that, we can have a debate about what you need at three. Maybe you need a quarterback. Maybe you need a defensive end. Maybe you need an offensive tackle. But so is he basing this off what people need or he just thinks he's the the fifth best overall player, given that he plays quarterback? I think it's probably fifth best overall player um, because there's also yesterday there was uh, Jordan Reed, another reporter did his own mock draft and he did a full seven rounds and he had Hendon Hooker going 55th overall to Detroit. So man, I wish Jim Bob Cooter was still in Detroit. Jim Bob Cooter, a Cooter coach and hooker. It- <laughs> Don't want Jim Bob Cooter sneaking in your window and hopping in bed with you for a little cuddle. Portions of the program brought to you by Zulbeer, XULBeer.com. Zulbeer.com, the official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports. Zulbeer is phenomenal, and they have worldwide award-winning craft beer and parking downtown. It's so easy to go and enjoy the atmosphere and uh, just enjoy a good time. So here's what I'm going to do. I want to take a quick, quick two-minute break. Hang with me. Hit the like button. And when I come back, I'm going to tell you what national analyst does not even have Tennessee in the top 10. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the Hooks. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986, each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler. And I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. 
Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's Craven Wings has the cleanest, healthiest wings in town. We pride ourselves on our slogan, always fresh, never frozen. Come try us and discover the difference yourself. New location now open at the Markets at Chodo. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasti's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasti Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. Today's tough question brought to you by Craven Wings. It's on our Twitter feed. Please go follow that so you can get updates on the show. It's at the Dave Hooker or at OTH Sports Media, and he is at Caleb Calhoun. At Craven underscore wings for the best wings in Knoxville. They're phenomenal. They bring you today's tough question. And this is a little out of left field, but I'm watching the high school basketball all-star events this week, which include a slam dunk contest in the game. And I'm watching Bronny James, who I think is a good player. Caleb, I don't think he's the next LeBron, but I thought I'd throw this out there for funsies before we get to that national analyst who does not have Tennessee in the top 10 preseason, which blows me away. So the Craven Wings, today's tough question, would Bronny James have a bigger impact than Nico if LeBron's son signed with UT? Not expected, just asking. So how do you think that it's shown up so far? I posted it this morning. I'll give you the percentages. What do you think? And let's hear from it on the message board. Because I could make a strong argument that Bronny James, who is not the talent that Nico is, would have as big of an impact from a PR standpoint at Tennessee as the best player, be it Nico or Arch Manning or whoever in football. What say you, Caleb Calhoun? Hmm. I mean, LeBron going to the games would be the impact as in terms of a player. Right. I still think your poll is probably 70% no. You're pretty close. It's 65%. 65% say that it would still be Nico, that he would be the guy that would have the bigger impact on Tennessee's program. I'm going to disagree. I think Josh Heifel is so good at recruiting quarterbacks and may get a Merklinger 
this afternoon. Uh, he's supposed to announce at noon on Thursday. So I think he's so good at recruiting quarterbacks and can get those guys. Nico has had a big impact because he's been an incredible recruiter. But had you told me before I knew all of that, you can have a Nico who's number two in the nation by most services to Arch Manning, or you can have a Bronny James for the betterment of the program. I would have said Bronny. And Bronny's not even the best one, as you pointed out yesterday. Yeah, he's not. He's not. He's a – again, Bronny needs some development. He has NBA potential, but he 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 shouldn't be a one-and-done, but he probably – He's will. more of a shooter to me than LeBron. Yeah. He's, a, he's a better shooter. At he's his a age. better shooter, but he's not going to be as big. He's not as good of a passer. He's not as good of a rebounder, and he's not as versatile of a defender. And so – but you're right. He is a better shooter. And that that is – a look, the, the, big, the big thing in LeBron – Probably the one thing that kept LeBron from being the greatest ever was he could never get above 75% from the free throw line. If he could have ever gotten above 75% from the free throw line, I think we might be talking about LeBron as the greatest ever. But because he can never get to that point for his career, that that held him back, quite honestly. And so we're, we're, we're uh, are, so you're saying LeBron isn't the best ever? No, I, 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 I it's not I'm like not I'm not going to do that debate with you. <laughs> no, I'm just saying I'm not one of those heart-shaped pictures of Michael Jordan in my room. Like, oh, that's Josh Ward, actually. He usually, he's got the picture in the background of the hangover game. Uh, he He's not able to join us today. He's got to be in a wedding, but he'll join us on Thursdays. That's Josh. I know you're not that guy. Yeah, but I, I actually go by numbers. And if you look, if you, I, I'm, an, I'm an advanced stats analytics guy. And if you look at analytics, Michael Jordan is the best player. LeBron's the second best, but Michael Jordan is the best. And there's really no, there's no third or fourth. Those two tower above everybody else in history. No Kareem. He played when the NBA, half of Kareem's career was when the best talent was in the ABA. He played in the most watered down league possible. LeBron is by far the best player ever to play in the NBA. And I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, we'll have that for another day when we introduce our Numbers NBA. Do not show that out, Dave. Okay, Josh Pate. Let's get rolling on this. Josh Pate leaves the balls off the top ten list. He um, has Ohio State. At, I'm sorry. He has who does he have at ten? Josh Oregon? Pate has at number ten. He has Oklahoma. Oklahoma at ten. Okay, so he's got Oklahoma at ten. He's got Southern California at nine, Utah at eight, Penn State at seven, Notre Dame at six, Clemson at five, Ohio State at four, Michigan at three, Alabama at two, Georgia at one. Do we know for sure with Josh, is this just a list of what teams he thinks are the best in order or where he thinks they'll finish? This is the state of the programs. State? Okay. All right. And that's why I think this this warrants as much as we love Josh Pate, and I I, I like him. This warrants some criticism. <laughs> well, I think it warrants a lot of criticism. I mean, uh, OU is still trying to find its way with a defensive coach that is not going. To, and I told you this last year, and Oklahoma fans got all over me on the message board. They've got a defensive coach, and to to run tempo and offense and to build your program around that with a defensive coach is nearly impossible. Ask Tim Banks. Tennessee's defensive coordinator. Southern California, sure. I don't have a problem with them being uh, at nine. Utah, I think, is kind of a funny, interesting pick, but fine. They won two uh, straight Pac-12 titles. For whatever that's worth. Um, so, But that's fine. If it's stability, yeah, that's fine. 
Um, Penn State in at seven. I mean, I guess, but there's just no scintillating sex appeal there. Notre Dame at six. See, I'm, never... criti- I'm critical of that one. Well, let, me run through, let me run through them all, and then we'll pick them apart one by one. Okay. Notre Dame at six. Okay. Again, though, I think they're limited. They just lost their offensive coordinator. They're they're limited in – Notre Dame is going to have a hard fall this year. They hired a player's coach. It got them through last year, and they had a respectable year. They're going to have a hard fall this year. You heard it here first. Clemson at five. Clemson will improve stability of the program. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but still, with stability of the program, I have to ask myself, you know, they just hired uh, uh, Garrett Riley – who's Lincoln Riley's brother, is Garrett Riley going to be a great coordinator or not? You would think so with what he's done previously, but I don't know that um, at Clemson. I don't know if Dabo Sweeney's going to look over his shoulder. I wouldn't think so. Ohio State at four. I got that, but trust me, people are going to start to get frustrated with Ryan Day because of the way he handled the college football playoff and not calling it a timeout, and he's supposed to be their golden child. It would be kind of like Tennessee hiring Philip Fulmer and Philip Fulmer not having success early. Well, it's very similar to Philip Fulmer not winning a championship until 98. People were frustrated that they got another Johnny Majors that would knock on the door, but wouldn't ultimately win a championship, which he did. So he was able to erase that. Michigan at three, stable, sure. Alabama, and then Georgia at one. All right, who would you have Tennessee above on this? All right, let's go state of programs real quick. It's a state of programs, okay? Right. Oklahoma is obvious. I'm with you, Oklahoma. You don't want to say they got another Jeremy Pruitt, but they might have gotten another Jeremy Pruitt. And my brother pointed this out to me last year, and I never thought about this, but Dave, you've covered coaching hires and things like that. Isn't it a red flag when someone is an elite coordinator and they're stuck in a coordinator role for 10 years and they never get an offer? Uh, John Chavis? Yes, there you go. Like they're they've had success and they never get that means some people know things, right? Mm-hmm. And, yes. and I love Brent Venables. I mean, yeah. something happened to Tim Banks, and Brent Venables was fired by Oklahoma that same year because he's gonna get fired eventually. That's the first guy I would make a run at. No, yeah, I agree. He would be a great defensive coordinator, and he has experience coaching against Tempo. So I think Oklahoma's in big trouble long-term. And when they join the SEC, it's only going to get worse. Agreed. So I had them also ahead. Uh, I would have Tennessee also. I'll just throw mine out there. Oklahoma. I'm going to – and maybe Josh wasn't doing this, but I'm going to throw in a little bit of the, yes, you can actually compete for a college football playoff. So I don't think Penn State actually can. I don't think Notre Dame actually can. And this might not fit the parameters exactly of his list. Um, so I would have Tennessee no worse than seventh and maybe a little bit higher. If you're talking about stability of the program, and Caleb, give me your teams that you would have Tennessee ahead of. Don't you have to factor in that Tennessee is has a coach that loves being at Tennessee? That and, Unless he's flat out lying, unless everybody's lying around him, but people I talk to – behind closed doors. I mean, to me, that's really stable. If you had to tell me the over-under, Josh has two years under his belt, but the over-under is at eight and a half. Are you taking the over-under? I'd take the over. That's pretty stable. 
Yeah, I think I think Tennessee's stable and in great shape. I, I I'll listen with Penn State. I'm with you though. Like you look at Tennessee and you see here's a program that could get over the hump and get to the playoff, even though they just missed last year. Who looks at Penn State and says, you know what? They're going to get over the hump with Michigan and Ohio State, and they're going to get there. Nobody thinks that. And now, to be fair, they did win the Big Ten in 2016 when Michigan and Ohio State were both top five programs, which was, but that was the, that was the flukiest Big Ten title I think ever. So I, I I'm I'm totally with you on Notre Dame. My big thing on Notre Dame, and I've insisted this for years. You want to you want to hire a defensive players coach who runs like a defensive program that wins on toughness and everything like that. You better be the program that can get more talent than anybody else. Notre Dame's never getting more talent than anybody else. If you're a Notre Dame, you need a creative offensive mind. Yeah, I agree. You can't win at Notre Dame for two reasons. You have no control over discipline, and it's tougher to get kids into school. You have recruiting limitations. You cannot win there. That's where Brian Kelly – that's why Brian Kelly left. Yeah, that's why Lou right. Holtz – this is nothing new. This is almost 40 years old. And Brian Kelly's a creative offensive mind. And by the way – I think we all know that Urban Meyer would have preferred to go to Notre Dame over Florida if he could have actually gotten them to loosen some of these standards that they had. But you couldn't, and they never will. Exactly. And this is why they're going to be stuck in perpetuity. Notre Dame's not a top 30 job to me anymore. I mean, honestly, I can think of 30 schools I'd rather coach at than Notre Dame right now, if you name them to me. Yeah, I go split personality. Like, I've got the little Notre Dame guy on one shoulder, the little – leprechaun on the other <laughs> shoulder i've got reality i'm like notre dame not a 30 job that sounds crazy but you're you're probably right yeah not a top 30 job i, I mad respect for dan orlowski i think he does a great job on espn he but he, he and Stephen a had this debate last year and dan orlowski's a college football guy so it kind of bothered me that he said this but maybe when you're stuck in college football so much you get too wrapped up in tradition and you lose reality he was like, Notre Dame's a better job. And Stephen A. Smith, who's not a college football guy, was like, LSU's a better job by a mile. And this was from Brian Kelly. It's not close. It's not close. LSU's a way better job. And so, yeah, I think Notre Dame – I don't think Notre Dame's a top 30 job, the state of the program without – and now that they don't have a creative offensive mind – and by the way, guys, I'm saying that Tennessee can't just hire a bland – Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, and that wins with defense and running because they're never going to get the talent Georgia or LSU could get. They have to have a little bit of creativity in their offense. But boy, do they have that with Josh Heifel. And I think LSU is probably a top five, six, seven job. I think uh, LSU is a top one job. It's a top one job. There's LSU and there's every other job. I'm, I, I'm with you along the lines of thinking. I wouldn't put it quite quite there, but but I'm I'm pretty close. Um, it's It's pretty – Pretty, pretty good. I mean, it's pretty hard not to win there with the amount of a talent. So, who would you have ahead, uh, or who would you have Tennessee ahead of, of Pate's list? And it's brought to you by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. I had my uh, visit yesterday. No glasses, no contacts, love and life. It is phenomenal. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. Vision correction, whether it's cataracts or whether it's you need LASIK, like I had. Or you just need the regular old checkups. They can do that at their vision centers. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Hahn, and they're local. How cool is that? Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Hahn absolutely love them. So of that group, who would you have? Okay, Tennessee so Adams. all right, so um, I would have. I think it's give me clear one. Of, give me one at a time, and I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna call shenanigans if you got somebody. 
they've got Tennessee ahead of somebody they shouldn't be. So give me one at a time. We're going to play shenanigans on the program. Okay, so the three that are very clear to me, and there's three that are clear cut. There's one that I'll listen that that I think is 50-50. So I'll start with a spoiler of the 50-50. I think Penn State's the 50-50. I would put Tennessee, but I can listen to Penn State over Tennessee. I got Tennessee over Penn State ain't close. Okay. Wow. Wow. There you go. No shenanigans <laughs> there. None. All right. So Oklahoma, not even a question for me. Tennessee's a better job. Tennessee's a better program than Oklahoma right now. Closer now that they're in the SEC, but I agree with you. No shenanigans. Yeah. Okay. This is a new bit, by the way. I'll get it produced. Shenanigans. Tennessee is clear-cut a better program than Notre Dame. I think every school on here is a better program than Notre Dame. No shenanigans. Agree. All right. So you got to bear with some shenanigans here. Okay. Well, Dave, I'm going to give you some. You got to bear with me on this. And I hope you think Alabama or Georgia, I'm going all out shenanigans. No, no. But I I hope my wife is listening to me like from upstairs right now when I bring this up because this is going to be hilarious because I, 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 I got to give her a shout out. What I'm about to say, I get from her. Um, Utah, Tennessee's a better program than Utah. And I'll, there's a couple of reasons. One, Utah winning the Pac 12, you agree, that's their max out. They're not going to the playoff and ever winning a national title. They could slip into the playoff. Maybe, but, but they're but, not going to win a national title. Right. But no shenanigans. Yes. Okay. Here's the other crazy part with Utah. You ready for this? For all my Real Housewives fans on here, Utah's. Special teams coordinator and cornerbacks coach who's been there for about 10 years. He's still coaching there. His wife, who was on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, just got sentenced to prison because she was committing fraud. It's frowned That's upon. I'm sorry? It's frowned upon. Fraud. Frowned upon. Jen Shaw is her name. Okay. And i got to send a shout out to my wife on this. She tells me all the stories. She watches the Real Housewives. I watch college football. This is where our worlds collide. And so, but she's gotten sentenced. You don't think that's going to have an impact on him coaching the team this year? Just saying. Just saying. You, know, you would think with all the restrictions they have in Utah with the Mormon culture, which includes caffeine, which I'm highly addicted to. Here you go. That fraud would be on the list. <laughs> you would think that being on a reality show would be on the morals list. Cigarettes, caffeine, adultery, alcohol, but fraud's okay. I mean, isn't that America? How many pastors get caught committing crimes all the time? You know, well, I don't, don't want to go down that road. I'm just saying. Absolutely got, at all. I mean, look, we covered, I covered firsthand the Southern Baptist Convention scandal a couple of years ago that they have been covering up for sex crimes for 30 years. But okay, that I'm just, sounds like great fun. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. Basically, right. whenever there's institutional, whenever there's institutional religion that gets too big, stuff like that happens. I think when when any institution gets too, no, big. you're right. When any institution, I yeah, mean, stuff like that happens. Uh, what what is it? Nothing corrupts so absolute as absolute power. By the way, the Craven Wings poll continues to roll on. The Craven Wings today's tough question brought to you by Craven Wings. And I was at Craven Wings, got some to go, and it really was even some rings right now. Man, it was very good. It was <laughs> phenomenal. And kudos to my man, Jacob Warren. I had his sauce, the sauce 87, and it blew me away. I'm usually just a straight buffalo guy. I'm like, no, just give me the buffalo. Give me the spicy. So I got some of the spicy. I got some of uh, Jacob's sauce sauce 87 and it was absolutely phenomenal 
phenomenal. And it had this lemon flavor. I can't wait to eat more for like a brunch here momentarily. But the Craven Wings, today's tough question. Um, would Bronny James have a bigger impact than Nico Iamaleva if LeBron's son signed with UT? Not expected, just asking Nico. 68% Bronny for PR gets just 31%. I'm kind of impressed that I even got that much. Tennessee's production ranked on a national scale after this, and you might want to be just a little bit concerned if you're a realistic Tennessee fan, because a lot of guys are going to have to step up to replace some key players that we talked about that'll be involved in Pro Day and the NFL. Stay tuned. Off the Sports, he's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. And Craving Wings South North Shore location where we've heard people say that you can get the best wings in East Tennessee. Pero quien es este? El número 87, Jacob Warren. I'm just doing six for my sauce, 87, please. Imposible, señorita. Dale seis más. Look at these wings. Perfectas, deliciosas, fantásticas. Man, I don't know what you're saying, but it sounds awesome. How do you say fresh, never frozen in Spanish? Frescas, nunca congeladas. Make your way to Craving Wings and get you seis más. But what was funny about Cadiz, we were a full continuum of care at that time. We had detox, we had inpatient, we had outpatient. So we were doing a lot of the things that we do now. But now we just do them so much better. It's really a simple program, but it's, we're complicated people. I am what I am, and now i got to do something about it. You can take your life back. Call Cadiz today. Got cataracts. We can fix that. Never miss another moment with a little help from Doctors Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at CCTIs.com. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get caught, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. I'm going to do a roll call on our uh, chat board. Go ahead. I think we're having trouble with the chat board. We got a ton of listeners on board, but for some reason, I don't think our chat board's working. So if you're on board, say anything on the chat. If you're on board, know that I'm not ignoring you. We've had this issue with the chat board before. So I don't want anybody to think I'm ignoring you. Portions of the program brought to you by Bassey Lawn and Garden. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Bassey Lawn and Garden, whether it's Knoxville, Nashville, or Chattanooga, they've got the industrial mowers that you need, commercial mowers that you need. 
residential as well. They're in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Toro, count on it. And who should Tennessee count on? Because there are going to have to be a lot of players step up to replace a whole lot of production. A whole lot of production. Um, when we start talking about guys that are going to be in pro day, you're talking about Tennessee's best defensive player, Byron, Byron Young. You're talking about Tennessee's most productive player on offense, and that is Jalen Hyatt. You're talking about their most productive offensive player, Hendon Hooker. You're talking about their best offensive lineman in Darnell Wright, and it ain't close. So Tennessee has a ton of production to replace. That's something that Athlon touched base on recently. So as far as production in the SEC, returning offensive production, Tennessee 57%, returning defensive production, Tennessee 69%. So really more defensive production than a lot of people might think by using Byron Young, but the offensive production at at 57 tells you that Tennessee is truly a running football team, as crazy as that sounds. So you start including Jalen uh, uh, Wright, and you start including Jabari Small and other guys that they've had, uh, Ramel Keaton, a receiver, but mostly I think it's talking about the running game. Um, Tennessee is at 57% is pretty remarkable considering they lose the Blitnikoff winner and a guy that would have been a Heisman Trophy finalist had he not gotten hurt. Yes, the concern for Tennessee is there's there's good losing talent and there's bad losing talent, if that makes sense, because the two teams below them, Texas and What do you mean by that? Sometimes we in the media, when we project college football teams before a year, we overvalue returning talent or undervalue lost talent. Below Tennessee are Texas A&M and Vanderbilt. They are the two that return less production than Tennessee. Well, if you're Texas A&M, you're probably glad you don't return a lot of talent because you were horrible last year. This is the addition by subtraction. Classic example of this, Dave, when Tennessee lost Michael Munoz, many who covered the team didn't really care because we all knew Aaron Sears was better. Oh, yeah. And yeah. No, I mean, I, I respect Michael Munoz. I think he's a great individual. I think he had chronically bad knees when he showed up to Tennessee, and we have no idea what he would have been but I still think he was overrated because of his dad's last name. So some of the, some of the other schools that do have returning talent, let's start with the offensive side. Uh, Ole Miss, um, well, LSU would be number one at 81%. That's, that's a little bit scary, I think, for the West because that was a team that was really disheveled to begin the season and put it all together. So That's on I think offense, 81%, but yeah. Oh, did I say defense? Sorry, offense. Um, so that's 81%. Uh, Ole Miss, 80%. Um, and then after that, you have Missouri returning offensive production at 77%. Um, Vanderbilt, 73%. Go ahead and check them out because they're both horrible. So really, I think the one that stands out most to me, well, I'm going to say two. I think the one that stands out most to me on the offensive side 
would be LSU returning 81%, which is not the highest. That's A&M, as you mentioned. But LSU had a good season. You know, they played for an SEC title. So returning 81%, I think, is scary for the SEC West. The other one that stands out to me, and most years I would say it doesn't matter. It's Nick Saban. It, it's, everything's fine. They'll have plug-and-play guys like this uh, Mechie guy, and they'll be, they'll be just fine. Don't worry about it. But Alabama with 43% returning offensive production, including Bryce Young, who I think is was the best player last year in uh, college football. He got my Heisman vote. Um, that's troublesome if I'm an Alabama fan because I don't know who my quarterback is for sure. And I didn't think their guys were, were particularly great at the skill positions last year, so nobody benched them. Um that's a, that's not the usual Alabama send a ton of guys to the NFL and there's a ton of great guys behind them. That's that 43% if I'm Alabama fan is is it's disconcerting to say the least. Are you ready for this, Dave? You ready for this from me? Another Caleb Calhoun buildup. Um, I'm ready. Alabama, Alabama fans, don't worry. Your program's not about to take a step back. Nick Saban is still Nick Saban. However, 2023 is going to be a rebuilding year. It's going to be the first rebuilding year y'all have had in, since 2010. And I agree with that. Two different – yeah, no. I, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Two new coordinators, two new coordinators. Hey, I, and as, for, as far as what you said, they've already taken a step back. Yeah, they have. And so I think they'll be back – I think they'll I think they'll win another national championship in either in, in, not in 2024 because Tennessee's winning it then, but they'll win it in 2025. They'll win another couple here in the near future. Nick Saban, he's been on a tear on the recruiting trail. So they're loading up on talent again. He's retooling the roster, but they were look, Bryce Young and Will Anderson were the only reason they weren't eight and four last year. Let's call it what it is. And both are gone now. And so I, I Bryce Young's the only reason Tennessee didn't beat Alabama 52 to 20 instead of 52 to 49 <laughs> i agree and and alabama the lowest in the sec and returning defensive production at 38 percent, which is yeah. pretty much a wowzer and nobody else is even in the 40s except for mississippi state everybody's 50 or above at 43 percent is mississippi state but 38 percent returning defensive production losing your two most talented players and will anderson and Losing Bryce Young, yeah, I think that's big time. I want to break down Tennessee's opponents and the production or lack thereof that they'll have returning in 2023. And it's brought to you by Andy Mason, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. AndyMasonRealEstate.com has over 40 years of experience in the Knoxville area. It will save you thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars. They're awesome. Andy Mason realestate.com that office will take care of you best service best price is pretty simple how about that so as far as the teams that tennessee will face this year returning offensive production for alabama and defensive production 43 and 38 percent respectively as we mentioned uh florida 55 and 53 offensive and defensive production returning respectively georgia 52% on offense and 70% on defense, which is pretty scary. Uh, this one surprised me a little bit. Returning offensive production from Kentucky, who had their running back, his name escapes me right now, suspended 
for the first part of the season at 71%, and they lose Will Levis, who was beat up, but still you would have thought he would add more production. They returned 71%. And then you have uh, Kentucky 55% on the defensive side. I mentioned LSU earlier, which is a whopping 81% of returning offensive production. blows me away. 60% on the defensive side. Um, At Texas A&M, you mentioned them. They return combined the most production of any team in the SEC, but it ain't great. 82% and 77%. Question before you go further. Do you think Texas A&M – Here's a real question because we're all hard on Jimbo Fisher, myself included. And what he said yesterday is more recent. Do you think Texas A&M is doing what we're doing? Or do you think it's possible Texas A&M last year was 1988 Tennessee? Remember 1988 starts 0-6. Everybody's down on Johnny Majors. Finished 5-6. and He retools the staff. Fire, pretty much fires everybody. Brings in Fulmer and Doug Matthews as offensive and defensive coordinators turns it around, goes 11-1 the next year because so much talent returned? Yeah, I can see that comparison. Yeah, I can definitely see that comparison. And and by the way, guys, I, I apologize again. We finally got our message board working. So I'm, I'm going to play a little bit of catch up here in a second because I don't want to disrespect you guys. I really appreciate you being on. So uh, why do you see the comparison? Well, because both teams had losing records those years, 88 and 2022, and – the coaches were on really hot seats. I mean, I don't, I wasn't around. I was zero years old, but just born when it happened with majors, but I've read old articles and it sounded like the fans that was the year they wanted majors gone was 1988. Everybody was ready for him to be gone. Then he had to retool the staff just like Jimbo Fisher did. And the team returned a ton of talent in 1989 and had still what I think maybe one of the biggest turnarounds in college football history to go from five and six to 11 and one. And by the way, started Oh, and six on top of that. And so Texas A&M, I didn't think about it until I just saw this returning production. And I'm still with you. I think, I think what we believe is still more likely, but there's some parallels where Jimbo Fisher hired a new offensive coordinator. He returns a lot of talent. Everybody's really down on the dude right now, even though he seemed like a home run hire at the time, just like Johnny major seemed like a home run hire when Tennessee brought him in in 77. So I'm just, I'm seeing some weird parallels, funny enough, even though I could see that. So you could see it too. So you could see Texas A&M have like a historic turnaround next year. And a historic turnaround. No, I could see them going down. Now I don't think they can have a historic turnaround. I, I think that, um, like they do what Tennessee did in 89. No, no, I, I, I mean, I don't know any reason to believe that they could. And I mean, Bobby Petrino's dated, and you've got to me, this feels exactly like the 08 season with Tennessee is that you tried to go out and hire a guy who has a good offensive pedigree, but really, you're an offensive coach. I'm about Philip Fulmer and Dave Clawson, and you're going to look over his shoulder the second something goes wrong. I, I, I don't see. Why do you see a, an instant turnaround? No, I, I I just thought about it when I said it. It's the parallels. Texas A&M was five and seven. They had a they have a head coach who was a home run hire who everybody now thinks is going to be fired. He was he hired a new offensive coordinator, and then they're going into next year. It just reminded me of Tennessee in eighty eight and eighty nine. Tennessee thought they had a home run hire in majors, 
and they wanted him fired after 88 with five and six. He hired a new offensive coordinator, then Philip Fulmer. Now you're right. The difference is Petrino is an older well, coordinator. He had a new defensive coordinator too. Yeah. D- oh, that's right. Because Ken Donahue was the guy, right? For years. Yes. And-, and they ran a three, four. So mid season, they switched from a three, four to a four, three, which nowadays would be unheard of. Right. They got better when they made that switch. Well, they <laughs> did. But nowadays you, you wouldn't have even considered it. It would have been bizarro. So let me get to some posts on the message board. I promise I haven't been ignoring you guys. Our software is not working correctly, but it always does, which is weird. Um, Elias says Oklahoma may be in for the full Missouri experience. I uh, agree with that. If that means they're really, really bad. Going back to the Pate uh, ranking that had Tennessee not in the top 10. I don't see Notre Dame at six, according to SC scout guy. South Carolina played even with him in that bowl game. We were starting four walk-on players, and that's coming from a South Carolina perspective. Totally agree with you. Uh, Travis says state of our program is top five. I agree. And Travis says LSU's top ten. Caleb's got him number one. Um, and LSU top ten. That's so understating how good of a job LSU is. It's definitely top five. I would have to really sit down and You're think. Still about understating it. it. <laughs> Maybe, maybe the um, and then some other posts uh, just concerning state of the program that that bothered some people. Utah is an awkward one to me. So consistent, uh, but it's the Pac-12, which is a mess. Very true. I mean, how do you even really judge Utah because they're in the Pac-12? And that to me makes it incredibly difficult. A shout out to Juan Ward. We always love shout outs to Juan Ward. And, um, yeah, a lot of people tend to uh, agree with the fact that Tennessee should definitely be in the top 10. I don't even get why they're not, to be real honest with you. So apologize for all those that we've ignored. I think we got a, a new uh, new poster on board. We appreciate that. Cal A says, Tobias, Calvin, do you think Heupel uh, – well, I'm going to say that's for Calhoun. We'll go in with the same game plan. Milton is in his third season, something hidden, Hinden didn't. Um, Hypel, same game plan for this year. I think there will be some adjustments. I think you'll see Tennessee throw over the middle a lot more with the uh, slants, uh, old dig routes, because that suits Joe Milton. And yeah, I wonder if they have the option to do some other things. Let's put it this way the option to do other things. <laughs> Hendon Hooker averaged about little under 10 carries a game. Joe Milton, I don't think they're going to be afraid to have him carry the ball 15 times a game, 15, 16 times a game because I, because of his size, because he's so physically gifted. You might have a you also I'm just going to project here. You might have an up the middle wildcat formation every now and then. Just why give it why give it to a power back? Why not just have Joe Milton snap it and run forward for a touchdown like they did with AJ Johnson back in the day? I love the package. Here's the package. The Joe and go. Joe and go. Joe go. Yeah. See, if we start pushing that, that can be a thing. Because you remember Gerald Jones when he lined up a quarterback that was called the G-Gun, right? Oh, I forgot about. Yes. Cutcliffe started the Wildcat. You're right. <laughs> no, that was Cla- that was Clawson with, with the G-Gun. No, Cut- it was in 2007 when Tennessee was playing for the – when Tennessee played for the SEC title. Cutcliffe was doing that too. Uh. No, that was no, that was two thousand eight. I know because John Adams and I named it, and Dave Clawson used it at a press conference, and um, 
<laughs> I don't think you'd care if I told the story now. But he's uh, Philip Former pulled me aside after practice and said, where'd y'all get that G-gun? And I said, John Adams made it up, who was Philip's least favorite person in the world. And maybe expletive, expletive, and that was the end of that. Oh, I know why he was so. When Clawson, I mean, when when somebody takes your little nickname for their offense and uses it in a press conference, you can take all the Tennessee sports writing awards and throw them in the trash can. That is a moment of glory. Oh, <laughs> he, <yeah>. used, he <laughs> used G gun that we came up with. That's so funny. That is so funny. Gator. Now I'm seeing more. Look. Fulmer is way more PC about it. I've heard Ramon Foster. I can see why, if you were a Fulmer loyalist playing for Fulmer, why you have such strong anti-Dave Clawson feelings. Um, Fulmer, to his credit, tries to stay stay a little classier about it. <laughs> but Yes. Uh, more on Tennessee's football practice. Uh, Smoky Mountain Red says, I'm excited to see Cameron Selden at running back. I am too, but there's a part of me that wonders if they just need a depth there because they don't want to get the proven tailbacks banged up, and he's that guy. So I could see that going in one of two ways. I could see him being very good as a bigger tailback, or I could see Khalifa Keith showing up in the summer and that's his role, and then suddenly Selden doesn't really have a role. So I'm not saying that's the case. Nobody's told me that, but that's a possibility. And Tobias says, I'm really cheering for Hooker. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Is he referring to me, or is he referring to Hendon? <laughs> pretty pretty sure Hendon, since we talked about Hendon Hooker. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, Jay, we got to – Yes. Sorry, before we go away from the um... – for the returning talent, I want to know your thoughts on this because Tennessee visits Missouri this year. Okay, don't don't laugh, don't laugh. But Missouri is second in overall returning production to Texas A&M. I saw they that. they were hold on, just hear me out. They uh, were I'm struggling. They were six and seven, and they lost. They should have won four games last year. They lost them in the last second. Should have even beaten Georgia. And they were six and seven last year. I'm just saying this was, they were four plays away from 10 wins last year. They were but here's, here's what Missouri is. And, we'll, and Tennessee has to visit them. As long as Eli Drinkwitz is there, here, here's what Missouri is and will always be. It will be a house built on a sand foundation. He didn't even have an offensive coordinator before this year. He essentially did it all himself, which whether it's title or not, that you're just not going to go out and get a good innovative mind that is doesn't get that title. Titles are important to coaches. It helps you move up the ladder. So whether or not Josh Heupel is the offensive coordinator, at least he's named an offensive coordinator, right? But right. by not naming one, you you basically undermined your ability to go out and get one. You're a you're a me guy. Eli Drinkwitz isn't going to do anything in Missouri. Now okay. that the East is better. But, so that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. So, but typically, historically, if a team loses a lot of games that are very, very close and returns a lot of talent, they get over the home and start winning those games the next year. So, I, I just, okay. I'm just saying, they still have foundation. gone in last think, year. I think Eli Drinkwitz is a bad coach, and I think it's a poor foundation. I'm mostly with you. I just want to point out 
those <laughs> things that like I didn't think about it until I saw it, how close they were in so many of their losses. It's the reverse of Phil Steele, who never lets us forget this. If Phil Steele reminds you of anything to his dying wish, he will be the one to say, I predicted Tennessee's 2005 disaster before anybody else did. That's what he says in every magazine that he always goes back to. Hey, guys, don't forget, I was the one who picked him to, to have a losing record in 2005. Not that he would ever go back and reference himself. You've got to be talking about somebody else. <laughs> Two minutes. Who is Tennessee's best all-time baseball player as Major League Baseball opens? I want to have this discussion. And could he be a guy that we've talked about that hasn't had his Major League Baseball career yet? Uh, Caleb and I have very different takes on that. But uh, the best Tennessee baseball player on Opening day, we discuss after this two minutes off the sports with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. I know you like the heat. You got to try my signature sauce 87. Dude, you know, I love you and I love to try your wing sauce. But when it comes to wings, I need them really hot. I hit 105 on the radar gun. I need to be pretty spicy. Yeah, I know that, man. Look, if sauce 87 isn't enough for you, I guess you can try the Holy Moses or the Grim Reaper. Mmm, now we're talking. Take it from these Farragut admirals. When you're craving wings, it's got to be Craven Wings. Visit them online at cravenwings.com. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your Before Candace, I was, I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. Candace has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Candace today. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry. I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. A college football tradition like no other. Yes, sirree, boys and girls. Or the guy that just won't leave. Wow. Dak. 
is sad. The Dave Hooker Show, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Back to Dave Hooker. Yes, Smoky Mountain Red, he does want to be your jeweler. Thank our friends at Rick Terry Jewelry Design. I'll tell you what, if you want some cool Tennessee stuff, it'll fit your budget no matter what. Check out Rick Terry Jewelry Design. And he's got some Tennessee stuff that is phenomenal. And if the uh he's got he's got men's stuff too, but if the lovely lady in your life likes the balls, she can sparkle and look fantastic. That's Rick Terry Jewelry Design on Kingston Pike. Can I tell you why I love college football Twitter real quick before we jump in with baseball? Yes. Okay, because I told you guys the Jen Shaw story earlier, which her crime was conspiracy conspiracy to commit wire fraud. She was stealing elderly people's personal information and robbing them of their savings. But Twitter... Other than that, she sounds like a great person. Well, Twitter, Mr. Monster913, a couple of years ago when this broke was, says, if Jen Shaw ruins the Utah Utes football season or Coach Shaw's mojo, I'll never forgive her. If you want to defraud the public, go for it. But don't mess with the Utes. That's right. <laughs> That's so, right. You know, the worst, worst thing you could do is ruin my football team season. Right. But if you want to steal from elderly people and working class people and drain their savings and drive them into poverty, go all, go all for it. Yes. And take away inheritances and affect generations of people. But other than that, <laughs> it, the most important thing is the Utes have to beat BYU. Yes, exactly. Is that, what we're, is that what we're saying here? You have to be the champion of the Mormons. <laughs> Hit the thumbs up button, guys. Again, I apologize for seemingly ignoring some of the message board. We had a software issue in what we use, but uh, we'll be we'll be back and got your comments. And uh, tomorrow, Smoky Mountain Red, I can see him now. Says, sounds like a ball fan. <laughs> By the way, so two things are about to hit a renaissance period. It's college basketball. And why do I say that? It's because NIL, or it's going to keep people around. The one thing the NBA could do is take away the one and done. That would be bad. And I'm hearing that it could happen. But other than that, I think you're going to see a renaissance in college basketball. I think guys like Kennedy Chandler can make a comparable amount of money by staying in school. And certainly that's going to be the case at bigger basketball programs like Duke, North Carolina, on and on. So the money that they pay to a lot of these guys in the the first round is not tremendous. So you're going to have NIL money uh, offset that. But the other thing you're going to see as far as a renaissance, Major League Baseball. I don't know how much spring training you watched. And if you're wondering how this connects to Tennessee, hang with me, please. I don't know how much spring training you've watched, Caleb, but the simple fact is the the pitch clock, the bigger bases are going to change baseball and it's going to be for the better. So they open today. You're going to have more small ball. You're going to have guys stealing more bases, moving guys around. It's it's just going to be a better game. It's not going to be swing for the fences or strike out. Hey, I struck out 150 times last season. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, it used to be that was embarrassing. <laughs> now it's like, no biggie. 
Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask this question on opening day. Who's the best Tennessee baseball player of all time? Or we'll go to the message board. Who's your favorite of all time? Let's keep that. Who's, let me start with who's the best, Caleb. Who's the best UT baseball player at all time? Travis says the pitch clock is garbage. Travis, you are going to get on this message board and tell me I'm right in a month. Everybody loves it. I'm telling you. But anyway, Travis, who's your favorite Tennessee baseball player of all time? Now, I'll, I'll tell you mine. And you're going to have, and I think he's the best as well. And you're going to have trouble talking me out of this because we went to school at the same time. He was good enough to get picked up by one of those travel teams. I was not. And that was Todd Helton. Uh, I was outside of his room on spring break or is it senior trip? I think, I I guess it must've been senior trip because that's when the major league baseball draft is when he got picked by the Padres the first time before he came to Tennessee and there were so many people in the hotel room that I was not able to uh, congratulate anybody nor see anybody. I was outside the room and I was like, oh, let's just go party elsewhere. I think it's Todd Helton hands down, uh, not only at Tennessee, but at the major league baseball level. He pitched. He was a great hitter. Uh, Tennessee is nowhere close to what they ended up doing. Um, which is make a college world series run in the early nineties without him. Is there somebody else I'm missing or do you have some competition for Todd Helton as the number one UT baseball player of all time? So it's going to be hard for me because I will tell you straight up that Todd Helton, it's really hard to debate him because offensively alone, just as an everyday player, by that standard alone, he probably could you could say he's the best player of all time. There's some debate on that. But then when you add the fact that he pitched, and he actually not only did he pitch, but he has a career ERA of 2.24, which is third all time. And he pitched a, he pitched over 100 innings. So it wasn't like he didn't pitch a lot. And he pitched a complete game in a college world series game and won. I mean, how do you how can I compete with Todd Helton? But I'm gonna throw a couple of names out there. Here he goes. So, offensive everyday player in college that has an argument over Todd Helton is Chris Burke, who led Tennessee to the 2001 College World Series. He was the 10th pick by the Astros in the draft. Never panned out in the the majors. Never panned out. But he was a great college player. Can't take that away. The other one was a teammate of Todd Helton's. R.A. Dickey. Heck of a pitcher. Mm, Very good. And he and he had as much to do with them going to the College World Series as Todd Helton did in that, I guess, 94 year. That would be it. And I I can't take away from R.A. Dickey. But those two are the two that I would listen to to take over Todd Helton. And I told you before the show I was going to take Chris Burke over Todd Helton. And then I did a little more research as the show was going on. And I'm like, oh, wait, Todd Helton's third all-time in career ERA. And it's not like because he pitched like one inning or something like that. He's just third all-time in career ERA. And he leads, and he's, he's the all-time leader in career home runs. Like, I got, I got a better one for you. I got a real argument for you. Okay. Condridge Holloway. Shortstop. Um. You got to remember, he's splitting time with football, too, which he was pretty good at football. And in case you didn't know, batted 353 
he um, had a hitting streak of 27 games. That's still a record at Tennessee. Holloway was Montreal's first pick and the fourth player selected overall in the 1971 Major League Baseball draft. Instead, he went to Tennessee. That guy was an incredible player. He was selected to Tennessee's all-century baseball team. He's the only Tennessee student athlete named to two all-century squads in both baseball and football. I know that our eyes did not see it in person, but Condridge Holloway, Todd Helton, Chris Burke, I think that's your trio. I think that's the end of the list as far as upper tier. And I'll be honest with you, may disagree with you a little bit on this. I would have Holloway and Helton on the first tier and Burke, the number one person on the second tier. See, I, the, the hard thing for me for Holloway is, you know this, I know this, but you know it more because you actually watched when this was a thing. A if lot you say of, I'm so old that I watched Condridge Holloway play, I'm going to be very upset with you. I am not. I did not say that. Did I say that? that? Oh, but it felt like that's where it was going. The old man talk. Before sabermetrics came into play in baseball, we could only judge fielding by eye test and shortstop like hall of famers at shortstop are oftentimes that's one position. That's, that's one of two positions in baseball where you're willing to sacrifice hitting for offense for, for defense, because it's so crucial. Catcher's the other one, obviously. Catcher and shortstop are the only two where you're willing to sacrifice offense. So you have to rely on the eye test a lot at shortstop. Neither one of us watch Holloway play shortstop. I can't give him over Chris Burke offensively. I just can't. Okay. I I understand, but this is also the day and age of there's more offense in college baseball too. I think you would agree with that. So that, that kind of works in Holloway's favor a little bit. But here's the other thing, the hours spent preparing for football when he could have been in the batting cage in the off season. You know, what is his upside? How much better could he have been as a baseball player? And he was already very, very good. Now, R.A. Dickey is in this conversation, Travis. And then a guy that Mr. Jones picked up, and I'm not just saying this because he was one of the very first guests on Off the Hook Sports, but it's Ben Joyce. Could this guy, you know, he's already had, you You worry about a guy that throws that hard, talking about 105 miles an hour. You worry about a guy that could have elbow issues, but he's already had the Tommy John surgery. So you would think that ligament's good and tight. Could he be, I, I know this is taking a big leap, but he, could he be a Mariano Rivera type of closer? That to me results in a long career because you don't throw as many pitches you're dominant other than the power hitters the media loves those guys that come in in the ninth inning like uh, major league and vince vaughn style and i I, was his name ricky vaughn sorry ricky vaughn i think he could end up being up there in 10 years from now when when we're celebrating the 10th anniversary of off the sports.com it's possible closers don't belong in the hall of fame. Come at me. Um, I'm going to say that Mariano Rivera got all first place votes. No, no, it was ridiculous. He got more first place votes than Griffey, which was insane. No, he he didn't get a second place vote. He got all first place votes. He he doesn't belong. 
closers don't belong in the Hall of Fame. You pick one inning. No. Also, (laughs) you shouldn't bring your best reliever in at the end of the game. You should your best reliever should actually be your setup man. Not well, yeah, nowadays. But back then, guys pitched for seven, eight innings. Yes. I mean, this is like having the thing that drives me crazy about closers. If you had a pinch hitter who was a great pinch hitter, no one would say put the pinch hitter in the Hall of Fame. No one. Or a sixth man of the year in the NBA. NBA, like there are some great six men of all time. No one says this player should go into the Hall of Fame because they were the best player on the bench on their team. I'm just, I mean, wow. I can't tell you other than that one. I'm, I'm a Yankees fan. Other than that one Diamondbacks game that I thought Rivera is definitely going to win this, and he did. I mean, that that's pretty good. That's like 99.9%. He also, he also is a reason that the Yankees blew the 3-0 lead to the Red Sox. He, he choked that first game that the Red Sox won. Oh, well, okay. But <laughs> all right. All right. Joyce reminds me of Rob Dibble, that according to uh, Travis Case. And uh, so if you, if you love um, – if, if, if you love – Or for a Yankees Joyce, fan like you, defensively, Derek Jeter is the most overrated shortstop ever. Okay, keep going. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm actually – and I'm not joking – you have so challenged me and my knowledge of baseball, which admittedly is limited. By the way, somebody says that Joyce reminds him of Rob Dibble. I agree with that. I'm going to fly to Anaheim, and I'm going to ask Ben Joyce if he thinks that closers are overrated. Should be in Bring the him on the show. Bring him I on will. the show. Bring I him will. on the show. I will. You know what? We'll never talk to him again because you're going to insult him. Bring in Jeff Hall, too, and I'll tell him that kicking should not be a part of football. Yeah, that should be fun. (laughs) Really well. Uh, Be sure and click that thumbs up button. I see a couple of new people in the message board, so hit subscribe because I got Jacob Warren coming up this afternoon. Travis says, closers are my favorite pitchers. Travis and I just have a bond. I love it. But be sure. In a certain era of baseball. When Mariano Rivera ran out there and they're playing Metallica, it was beautiful. Yeah. Right. It, so at, at the end of the at the end of the day, I I give you Burke, Helton, Condridge, which I know that we didn't see play. Rank them. Helton, I, I got a question actually. When did they start using metal bats in baseball? Was Condridge playing with a wooden bat? Mm, I'd have to check that. That's let's see. That's what's going to determine is metal bats. Yes, because of because that's going to inflate the averages because Burke and Helton both got to play with metal bats. Yeah, well, okay. They first permitted metal bats right after Condridge left. Condridge played with a wooden bat. Helton, it's Condridge. Con- yeah, it's Condridge. It's Condridge is number one. Helton's number two. Burke's number three. You've got to separate records in baseball with metal bats versus wooden bats, don't you, for college? Yes. I think they should get rid of metal bats. I think they're unsafe. I mean, they used to think it used to be they were safer because they don't break, but now with so much more power in the game, they're they're less safe. You're right because a line drive down the third base line could could knock a third baseman's head off. I'm talking about a line drive at a pitcher. Oh yeah, that too. You're right. It's either yeah, one. I, mean, I, I I hate to say that, but I feel like every every year when baseball season starts, that that goes through my head of is a pitcher going to get hit in college off of a pitch that's traveling. Sometimes 10% faster 
off the bat because of, it's a metal bat instead of a wooden bat. So anyway, hey, great job on the uh, message board, guys. I really uh, regret not seeing those. But uh, again, the software issue. Smoky Mountain Red will close this out with Dave Recall. The Joe Somo pitching trio with the Yanks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I do. And we'll leave you with that. Closers, there should be a whole different section for them in the Hall of Fame because they're so special and they're so beautiful in baseball. Oh, my God, this is special. That's exactly how <laughs> I said it. You nailed me. Have a fantastic <laughs> day, everyone. We'll have some reaction from Merklinger, who is probably going to commit to Tennessee. Look forward to that. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. And tomorrow, it's a Football Friday with Fred. Fred White will join us. And I will tell him that Caleb says that closers and safeties should not be in the Hall of Fame. I never said safeties. Don't throw that at me. I do not need to get Caleb in trouble. Have I a already told him that Atlanta didn't start trap music, and I still want that debate with him. But... I don't want to. I don't want to be a part of that. So I'll just leave the show running and walk off and turn my camera <laughs> off. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Get the app. Turn the notifications on. I find out that a bunch of you don't have your notifications on. And I was doing analytic research, so that means you're not getting updates throughout the day as far as stuff we add. And it's a lot more than the show. But the show, 10 a.m. Eastern Time weekdays. He's Caleb. I'm Dave. Off the Hook Sports.